Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Peter Kazadoy of Honest to Greatness. Peter, it's awesome to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Gresh. No problem. Super excited to have you on. And before we jumped in, I want to read a little bit more about Peter so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Peter is an Inc. 5000 serial entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, and business coach who works with organizations and their leaders to help them overcome self-limiting bullshit and use honest to, honesty to achieve greatness. His articles on leadership and entrepreneurship have been featured in Forbes, Inc., HuffPost, PR Daily, and many more. He holds a BA in economics from Brandeis University and an MBA from Columbia Business School. And he's the author of Honest to Greatness, How to Today's greatest leaders use brutal honesty to achieve massive success. Peter, are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Born ready, Gresh. Let's do it. Let's do it. So to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit and hear a little bit more about what I call your CEO story and we'll let you get started with the business. Oh boy. Well, uh, Gresh, I'm going to, you know, the thing about writing a book about honesty is I have to be honest. So mm-hmm. my story starts way back as a 17 year old Peter with two dreams. The first was to go to the Olympics as a figure skater. I was a very serious competitive figure skater, knew I was going to go to the Olympics, trained for, you know, skated for almost 18 years. Uh, so that was dream number one. And dream number two at 17 was I was going to Harvard. I was convinced I was going to Harvard. I, was, I grew up outside of Boston. There was only one school. Uh, well, by 18, uh, I was clear I was not going to make the Olympics. I just couldn't keep my nerves together enough to compete well. And uh, I applied to Harvard. Harvard sent me a letter back saying, thank you, but no, thank you. you know, don't call us. We'll call you. Um, and so that was pretty devastated, Gresh. I'm not going to lie. And so I ended up uh, going to Brandeis and uh, in every single elective I could, I was taking business courses because I was just fascinated by business. And I don't know about you, but I, I love money. Do you love money? A little bit. Money's fantastic. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I just like this whole idea of business. I was like, this is great. Uh, so uh, I got out of college and I started what was then a video production company with my business partner. Mm-hmm. And we had pretty much no idea what we were doing as a video production company. We were shooting like $800 television commercials for local car dealers, which is exactly as glamorous as it sounds. And I just remember thinking like, wow, if we could only do more of these, uh, we'd be rich. Like that's the secret to millions of dollars. Well, obviously I didn't take enough math classes in college because if I had paused and done the math, I would have realized that that was a really stupid business plan um, mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. So what ended up happening is we began to, to pivot. We were getting hired by other marketing agencies for video production. And we realized that those agencies, were, frankly, were terrible. Uh, they mistreated their clients. Their strategies weren't that good. They would overcharge. They would miss deadlines. We were like, we can do that better, right? Classic entrepreneur. Well, we can do that better. Right. Now, the thing about thinking you can do it better uh, is yeah, it's great it. for being an entrepreneur and, and having that drive. And on the flip side, you actually have to go out and do it better. So, uh, you know, we, we slapped a new name on ourselves and we we're like, yep, we're a full service marketing agency now. Uh, of course, we didn't have any full service clients until one day, uh, a, the VP of marketing of a local college called and we had been doing video work for them, filming their students for uh, web videos. And she said, uh, Hey guys, so we're actually going to go with a full service agency. Now we finally decided to bring in a few to, to do a pitch. Um, and I want to know if, if you'd like to come in, you know, do you even have the resources for this? And so we, we sort of 
put the phone on hold and we were like, okay, well, do you, do we, can we handle an account like that? It was like a million dollar account. Like, do we have like media buyer? No, like graphic designer that can, no, don't have that. Uh, web developers, no, don't have that either. Uh, so, you know, pretty much there was no way we could handle this account. So we, we got back on the phone and we said, absolutely, we'd love to pitch. You, know, you give us the time and we'll be there. And so, uh, so we, we assembled a, a team of you know, folks we had met over the years and we, we go, go into the pitch. And uh, at the end of the pitch, we show a video of the students that we had been filming because mm. we had been listening to them in the editing room for you know a year. And so we play this video and then we reveal this tagline that we were gonna build the whole campaign on. And uh, the, the room goes quiet and the president looks down and doesn't say anything. And we're like biting our fingernails saying like, okay, well, this isn't good, right? And she looks back up and she said, where did you get this? I've been looking for this for years. And we were tempted, Gresh, to be like, well, we're the biggest bunch of geniuses you've ever met. You know, that's how we figured it out. But of course that would have been a lie. And as you know, my thing is brutal honesty. So instead we said, uh, we actually didn't come up with this at all. Your own students gave it to me. You know, your own people, the people who matter most, your customers, this is from them. This is what they're saying about you. That's why it's true. That's why it's honest and authentic to who you are. And so that really was a springboard for us to, uh, we picked up that client and then picked up several more, ended up on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for a couple of years in a row and just took, you know, a pretty much wild ride until a tragedy struck for me personally, Gresh. I don't know if you've experienced this. Uh, it was a terrible thing happened to me. I turned 30. Um, oh my! Have you, has this happened to you? I have, I have. Oh my goodness! I don't know how people. Years. How do people survive this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was doing a keynote once to a big business group, and I, I made that that joke. Although it wasn't a joke, we'll get into that in a moment. And this energetic older woman bolts up in the front row, and she goes, "That's happened to me twice." And I said, "Well, how did you survive it? Because I didn't even survive it once. Like it's pretty good, lady. Like don't know how you did it." Uh-huh. So uh, thirty was was pretty devastating to me. And for all intents and purposes, Gresh, I mean, I should have been happy. You know, I had built a million dollar company by that point. Mm-hmm. I had great working relationships. I just married my wife. We were flipping a house. I mean, life was fine. Um, but as you likely know, you know, happiness is not linear. And yeah. so, you know, for the first time in a long time, it struck me that I had so much more to accomplish and do. And that somewhere along the line, because of those two big failures I had when I was 17, I had stopped being honest with myself about what the greatest Peter looked like. Mm-hmm. And how I define success and greatness. And I had stopped going for those massive goals, thinking that, well, I was already a failure. So I guess I have to settle for second best. And after that, Gresh, I, I mean, a bunch of things happened. I, mean, I achieved more in the year or two after turning 30 than I had in 10 years prior. I and mean, that's where all the, the accolades that you listed off, you know, TEDx talk being picked up in Forbes and Inc and television radio interviews and writing a book that's been endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, and all mm. these amazing things. You're going back to, to business school at Columbia University. I really got my ass in gear, you know, and realized that there was a lot more stuff I had to accomplish. And what was interesting, Gresh, is along the road to building an Inc. 5000 marketing agency, we worked with folks from startups to Fortune 500s and even Warren Buffett himself. In fact, yeah. maybe I'll tell you the story about the time I accidentally served as his bodyguard. That's another story. But the point is, I was fascinated by the fact that we were engineering these marketing strategies for our clients. And some of them just crushed it. I mean, they'd get like a 500% return, stay with us for years. Awesome. Others give the same care and attention and strategy to, and they would just like blow up in the launch pad, could not get out of their own way. The executives descended into infighting and politics and bullshit. 
And it was like mind boggling to me. And I used to think, wow, what a bunch of morons. But you know, that's, I'm the moron in that scenario because it, you know, obviously you have to be an intelligent human being to get to any sort of executive level. What I ended up figuring out, Gresh, was, was I think a little more serious is that executives who thrive versus executives who don't, it's actually a matter of honesty. And it didn't hit, you know, I kind of knew this in the back of my mind that there were executives who were simply willing to be honest with themselves and we can get into what that means and those, those who weren't. But it wasn't until I turned 30 and had my own crisis of honesty that it sort of crystallized. And I realized, hey, this isn't just, you know, brutal honesty isn't just a method for marketing, you know, authenticity, what your customers are really saying. It's actually a framework to achieve anything in life. We have to get honest with ourselves first. Otherwise, we're going to row for miles in the wrong direction or in a direction we never even wanted in the first place. And that's sort of been now my platform for a while. And this is, by the way, very surprising to me. One that I would you know, have to talk about something we all learned in preschool. But the other, quite honestly, I mean, I was like voted most likely to continue being a total jerk in high school. Like for me to be talking about like honesty and empathy and trust me, this is a very surprising thing. And yet I found time after time, Gresh, that it is the secret to achieving anything in life. Nice. I absolutely love that. And I appreciate you for uh, being honest, being brutally honest uh, to stay on brand as well, too, because I think it's just so important to be able to do that, to kind of see that, as you said, when you're talking with your clients or customers or you're engaging with your friends, whatever that might be, that brutal honesty, uh, take things to another level. So I want to hear a little bit more about your book and everything that you're doing there. Could you take us through exactly what that is, if that touches on that and how that serves the clients you have? Absolutely. So let's let's talk about what I mean by brutal honesty for a moment. Let's talk about what it isn't. Um, so I, my book is full of wonderful case studies and interviews with CEOs from you know, Warren Buffett to Ray Dalio, the largest hedge fund in the world, to Quicken Loans, the Ritz Carlton, Domino's Pizza, Bethany Frankel and her $100 million alcohol brand. Wonderful, wonderful stories. And they all have one thing in common, which is that, that they use brutal honesty not as a touchy-feely core value, like everyone should be honest and nice, like that's cool too, but I'm talking about using brutal honesty as a strategy to achieve business outcomes, to make ridiculous amounts of money to dominate your industry. This is a business book, it's not an ethics book. I've just happened to find honesty works. Yeah, that makes so much sense. No, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Do you feel like that is, is what makes, what I like to call your secret sauce, the thing that you feel kind of sets you apart is that brutal honesty and being able to kind of distinguish that and know yeah, about that on a deeper level? I mean, the reason I wrote the book, I actually set out to write a marketing book, okay? Mm -hmm. Never set out for it to be an honesty book. As I told you earlier, this had to crystallize me over many years. And when I submitted the, this marketing book to my agent, uh, who, the one who signed me, he, you know, as soon as he signed me, he was like, oh, this is really cool. But by the way, this is not a marketing book. This is a book about honesty. And I was like, well, clearly you didn't read the title page because it says right on it. It's a marketing book. Um, mm -hmm. My own blinders, right? And when I was flipping through it, I realized like, wow, he's right. Like I keep coming back to, just be honest and authentic. People can smell the BS. They don't want it anymore. There's too much transparency in the world. And I stepped back and realized this was much bigger. And so part of why I wrote the book was, it's just in me to be an author. That was part of my you know, 30 quarter life crisis. I knew I had a book in me. And the other is, I'm just sort of generally pissed off that people are full of crap. You know, People and leaders and organizations, I mean, turn on the TV, what do you see? And it doesn't have to be that way. It's actually not effective. It erodes trust. It makes it so people don't act in unison. So, you know, I just, it boggles my mind. And so Gresh, what we noticed working as a marketing partner is oftentimes we were too late in the process. You know, the CEO had handed this edict down to a VP of marketing or a CMO 
And it's like, well, that's what the CEO wants. And we'd be left over and over saying, well, that's stupid. And here's why. And so my hope with the book is that I get to the level where it matters to the executive team. Um, And already I'm beginning to work with executive teams to help them use brutal honesty to get out of their own minds and to realize that the person who has the least in common with the CEO is probably the customer they're trying to reach. I mean, you think about like the CEO of Domino's Pizza versus the 20 year old college kid that orders Domino's Pizza three times a week. They could not be more different, right? And yet we have leaders who allow their own biases to influence the way they communicate and the way they structure their business. I can't tell you how many times we were ordered to do marketing activities so the CEO could see those activities having nothing to do with the target market, by the way. And we'd say like, we can put a billboard there, but your target market's not looking at billboards. Well, I know, but it's between my house and the office. So I like to see it. It's like, okay, we'll spend five grand a month on that if you want, but that's not going to help you. It's actually counter to your goals. And so my hope for this book is I get into the rooms and conversations before they start making operational decisions and marketing decisions and all that, because without honesty, we're plowing ahead in a direction that doesn't make sense and doesn't work. And we see it in companies, you know, Wells Fargo fake account scandal, the Volkswagen diesel emissions scandal, everything comes out, right? So you may as well be honest about those things and fix them where they count. Absolutely. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have. What's something that makes you personally more effective and efficient? Ask two questions. First, is that true? Hmm. And how do I know? Man, if people could just stop, whatever they're doing, doesn't matter if it's in business or forming an opinion or looking at a news headline or whatever, is what I just saw heard true? And how do I know before you react to it? We've gotten into such a reactive state in this country and it kills me because if we just took a deep breath, reflected, asked more questions, as I said earlier, things would be so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wanted to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget. So that could be a word of wisdom or a piece of advice, or it might be something you would tell a client, or if you hopped into a time machine, you would tell your younger business self. Well, if I had to build a time machine and give my younger self a word of advice, it would be stop worrying. Mm. Stop worrying. There's not, as my business partner says, worry doesn't solve anything. And so I wanted to ask you now for what I call my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're going to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Peter, what does being a CEO mean to you? To me, it means having complete accountability and personal responsibility for your life. And notice I say for your life, because I find that too, too seldom people understand, like, especially entrepreneurs, and we're talking about business, right? If I'm a CEO and, or I'm an entrepreneur, like I have complete control over the lifestyle I build. And yet I meet and have worked with so many leaders who have built a life for themselves through their business that they actually don't even want. You know, they're like, I thought, and and I went through this myself. Like I thought success was multiple offices and clients around the world. And yeah, we had 30 people. Like we were up to a big organization. I looked around and I was like, this is not happiness. Like happiness for me is working at home and having, you know, systems that I deploy and, and being able to take off seven hours a day and work one. Like these are things that CEOs have control of. But I think because they have set assumptions about themselves, about happiness, about success that aren't true, they drift. And so to me, a real CEO is someone who takes full control over the way they structure their lifestyle and by extension, the way they structure their business. 
Absolutely. No, I love that perspective. A lot of times we're like the artists, we get to paint the picture of what we hope to see in our life and in our business as well, too. So, Peter, truly appreciate that definition. I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you want to let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, get a copy of the book and find out about all the awesome things you're working on. For sure. So come uh, have an honest conversation with me. I'm at honest2greatness.com, honest2greatness.com. You can take the 21 question honesty quiz, which will tell you what honesty profile you fit into and how honest you really are, if you're brave enough to know. Uh, that's on the website. And I have a bonus page particularly geared towards business owners and founders. That's at petercausadoy.com slash bonus. And uh, when you buy multiple copies, you get all kinds of stuff. Time with me, um, bonus classes I've taught in the past, tickets to my annual summit, I mean, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, by all means, check that out, petercausadoy.com slash bonus. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much again, Peter. We will have the links and information in the show notes and I appreciate your time. Appreciate you being brutally honest and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I am CEO podcast powered by blue 16 media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I am CEO is not just a phrase. It's a community. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.